Yo, 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 and welcome back to the Banter Boys podcast. My name is Sanji, with me is Nick. How are you doing, boy? I'm doing alright. Uh, not too bad. Looking forward to talking about Crystal Palace here. Ah, you already dropped the spoiler. Well, in that case... Oh, I didn't know how, how quick you we were getting right, into that's things. That's all right. You know what? Your, your first time uh, Inside Tracks uh, fan rep, uh, thank you so much for volunteering. So... We'll jump right into the fan introduction segment. Sure. Tell us your name, your Twitter handle, the club that you're representing, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do. Okay. So uh, my name's Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at Korea Ultras. That's a little shout out to, um, I'm a Minnesota Twins fan, one of my favorite players on that team. Um, but uh, I'm, so I'm from Iowa. I live and. um, work here i do i work in it um i am a crystal palace fan and um you know i've been playing fan tracks now for about four or five years i think and have found it you know the way preferable uh format for me i like it a lot more than i do um you know the original fantasy game which is how i originally started but i didn't find it as satisfying um kind of switched over to fan tracks and i've been having a great time with it Nice. So, I mean, my first question would be is like, how did you come around to supporting Crystal Palace when you're from uh, the States? Like, right. how did that yeah, happen? That's, <laughs> that's always kind of a, a weird question for people. Like, I'll get kind of a weird, um, wait, you follow Palace? If, you know, anybody, if they follow the Premier League at all. But um, when I first started watching some games with um, friends, we were all trying to pick out different clubs. Um, a couple of my friends, they already liked Liverpool, you know, some of the big six clubs. Um, and I, I wanted someone kind of different from that, but I was hoping, to, you know, I always like an underdog story. So, you know, see some good, uh, you know, like come from behind wins or beating those big teams. And it looked like Palace kind of had a, had a good, you know, representation of both. There's also quite a few... Um, large fan clubs like palace fan clubs here in the states which i didn't expect at all but i but that definitely helped seeing that you know i would say after like the big six crystal palace are probably like the next most common jersey i'll see out on the street really okay Okay. yeah yeah like don't get me wrong it's not common or anything but i'll like catch um the occasional crystal palace uh jersey and that always kind of excites me Okay, wow. I would have never expected that. That's amazing. All right, cool. Right. So, uh, listeners, uh, if you're new to the Inside Track series, uh, general format for these conversations are um, we're basically interviewing a fan uh, that supports one of the 20 clubs from the Premier League for the 23 24 season. And the caveat is they've got to be a fan tracks manager, right? So. What we're going to talk about in this episode, as the previous ones that we've been doing, is we'll do a bit of a general discussion. Uh, We'll look at the impact of the new manager or any ownership change. And this one's uh, particularly interesting, given the fact of the uh, managerial change during the season. Uh, Then we'll look at previous season performance, uh, new season's expectations, old system versus new system, basically the impact of new transfers to 
the current system, uh, expected formation, starting 11, impacts of AFCON and Asian Cup. And then obviously we're going to talk about the Fantrax game. We're going to get Nick's perspective on his first pick from Crystal Palace, his next three picks and at least one hidden gem. And then we'll jump into his experience as a Fantrax manager over the few past few years. Um, does he look at draft picks, uh, trading, uh, if he's trading with other managers? Does he look at form versus fixture? Um, how does he budget his fab if he uses that? Maybe some of his best and worst trades during his career and some of his lessons learned over the past few seasons. All right, let's jump straight into it then. So new manager, Roy Hodgson, uh, got implemented. Right. If we want to call him new at all. Even. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, 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 I guess you guys brought him back, right? He kind of bailed right. you out of a bad situation. But yeah. I don't know. It, it was weird. Like, I thought Vieira was doing a good job. He and, was, he was there for like... You know, a, he's a notable manager. You know, that's a big name to bring in, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. Like, he got you to a 12th place, uh, took right. you through to the FA Cup semifinals, but then it kind of went downhill after that. Uh, he had an altercation with some Everton fans. I think it was their final game when they uh, confirmed safety in the Premier League. And right. then eventually he got sacked a day after my birthday on 17th March uh, 2023. But the problem was is that he was, at that time, on a 12-game run without a win. Uh, right. I think in three games, the, uh, Crystal Palace didn't even have a single shot on target they were yep. three points yeah, above the relegation some, zone right so games to watch yeah it, it was some bad statistics and then on top of that people were just wondering why was Eze frozen out of the team and right. me as a fan tracks owner um like off Eze, i was just like really upset because he we know how much of a baller he is and his yeah, fan tracks exactly. output and the impact that he has on the team so it was just strange that he wasn't playing so then Roy Hodgson comes in March 21st, five wins, three draws from 10 matches, and you guys finish in 11th place. Can you maybe touch on the, I guess, the Vieira um, spell and then the Roy spell, and then maybe highlight any changes in the hierarchy that the average fan wouldn't know about? Sure, sure. So I think um, just one thing you didn't miss, um, there was a lot of reports after uh, Vieira had left that that kind of what had really gone down was um, just a total loss of trust, kind of faith in Vieira. He um, he apparently had a very like tactician based, like very discipline heavy style that was um, really losing a lot of the players. And apparently, towards those last twelve games, it was just you know that sink downwards as like the 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 players didn't trust Vieira, Vieira didn't trust the players. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, they made the call, the right call. Something had to be done. Um, I would have perhaps liked them to go with somebody different from Roy. It feels a little weird to bring back the manager you had sacked, you know, to bring, you know, and then bring him back. So I thought that felt a little weird, but you can't deny the results. Um, they were playing some very good uh, football towards the end of the season. Um, I I think maybe here's a good time we can kind of look at the uh, formation. Um, Roy was playing almost every game. He played a 4-2-3-1. Um, and I think a lot of the questions lie in who that three is going to be. Um, 
how we're going to line up now that um so Wilf Zaha, he just left on a free. Yeah. Didn't expect that at all. <laughs> I honestly right, he he's continually played for Palace and continued to sign on to a new contract with them. I was honestly thinking they were gonna lay down a pretty sizable contract to keep Wilf around. So I'm um I'm a bit shocked about that. Um yeah. And now the question, of course, is who who's going to fill that role? Um, and it can be can be kind of hard to know. Um, I don't think they have a proven name right now. Hmm. Um, if we want, we I could kind of talk through um, who I think we will see starting out the season. Yeah, I mean, b- before we get to that, I would like to also uh, touch on maybe some of the ins and outs from the past few windows. Uh, so sure. if, if we go back to like the summer window, um, last summer window, right? Uh, you guys got a couple names that did have a bit of an impact on your season. Uh, one, for example, Cheek Decore. Um, yes. I feel like he was being used right at one point, but then I feel like he had too much to do towards the end of Vieira's tenure. Um, yeah. Are you expecting him to be, you know, having a big role next season as well? Oh, yeah. I think Decore is going to be that central rotating piece in our midfield. You know, everything's going to be, ro- or not not rotating, but um, everything is going to be rotating around him. Um, I think he will be you know, the uh, entire piece. And the um, the biggest question for me, like you were saying, is Decore was having to do a lot. He couldn't just be his defensive midfielder role winning the ball back. He also need, found himself needing to create and make those progressive passes forward. And so I think that if we are able to find the right pairing next to uh, Cheek, that will really lead us to a more successful and um, stronger midfield. Because, yeah, I think you were totally right. And a lot of times, Decore would just get left as the only midfielder there with the other one, you know, bombing forward. And then quick counterattack and Palace is down, you know. I feel like we saw that kind of game happen quite a few times through the season. Yeah, and uh, like... Cheek Decore also had these purple patches of Fantrax output. Like, I mean, if you play with even just the default scoring version right. of the game, he was double-digit performing like like crazy. Like, he was a yeah. great streamer at one point. But then, again, right. I think it was when things got tough for Vieira that you saw that dip in both form and um, Fantrax point output. So I, I'm very yeah. curious, like, w- would you be drafting Decore or are you going to maybe wait a couple game weeks and then stream him, possibly? Um. I, so there aren't honestly a lot. I'll be honest right up front. There's not a lot of Palace players I'm drafting. Um, I most of most Palace players I look at around a streamer level. You know, yeah. um, I think Decore is kind of on that higher end, a late a late round. You know, twelfth plus pick on Decore. I don't okay. think is you know anything wrong with that. Yeah, but I just don't at like this point right now. I'm not sure I see a like that real upside I'm looking for to draft somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think that we've seen him score anything too crazy. Um, and I felt like 
um, those couple higher weeks. If I remember correctly, he had a couple assists in there. Yeah. And I yeah. and I don't and I don't see that as a standard typical part of Decore's game. They might pop up here and there, but I don't really see him as the creator for this Palace team. Yeah, that's a very good point. Another name I want to touch on, Sam Johnstone. He yeah. kind of filled a, a good void while Guaito was out injured. I mean, both your, uh, uh, your who's your other keeper at that point? I think you had like two goalkeepers that were injured and Sam Johnson came in. And I think Roy really um, trusted him, gave him the armband and he performed well. Um, I think maybe up until like the safety was confirmed and then you kind of saw, okay, maybe he's not as a good, uh, as good of a keeper in terms of fan tracks at least, right? Um, sure. Like the output kind of just dipped all of a sudden. Are you, Right. maybe expecting him to maintain that bench role or do you think he's going to finally have that starting spot over Guaito? I I do sort of expect Johnstone to become the starter this season. Um, it was... So they just um, re-signed Guiada to a one-year contract, I believe, and so I don't. I kind of expect him to be getting on the phased-out end, and Johnstone, especially with that strong form we saw, I think Hodgson... We tend to see him really gain trust in a player, and mm-hmm. then he's very willing to stick with that player for you know a number of games. Um, once Hodgson settles in, I, it seems like he kind of picks his team and likes that team. Yeah. Um, his first run, it seemed like there was players who would just get you know they didn't get that run because they didn't have the trust. Um, mm. For example, um, Ahamada. He's yeah. one that comes to mind who um, people were, you know, asking, you know, why isn't Roy playing him? This isn't, this is a midfield option, you know, you have on the bench. Yeah. Um, but young guy hadn't really proven himself. And mm-hmm. so Roy was, you know, hesitant to hand those minutes out, which I can understand that part. He really wants people to understand his tactical style. And there's a very high defensive weight to his style. Yeah, great point. Um, so another name, American actually, Chris Richards came in from Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. He had a couple of appearances here and there. Uh, showed like he had good ghost point potential. Yeah. Uh, is there any chance that he could uh, be starting or be considered as a streamer this season? Yeah, so he's a name that I would absolutely keep kind of on your streamer watch list. Um, if you see that he's getting a start, um, he is an option that I really like. Um, he can play all four spots across the back, so there's that versatility. Um, I think um, from what we've seen, he is mostly placed in for one of the center backs, but I feel that... Um, Unless there's changes, you know, because there's interest across the league for both of our starting center backs. Um, So that could change things a little bit, but I do definitely see him kind of as a second tier center back. Um, But yeah, like you're saying, I really liked what we saw when he came in. Um, He had some very good performances, very high aerials and clearances, you know, ghosting really well. Um. Which, you know, if you're playing fan tracks, you know how important those ghost points are. Yeah, definitely. All right, moving um, forward to our current uh, summer window. Because January window, I think the only name um, of note was Ahamada. And we did kind of touch on him a little bit. A little bit, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so this summer window, um, like we talked about as well, um, massive out Wilfred Zaha um, yeah. and a couple of players that got released. And I want to say a bit of a legendary status, um, both James McCarter and Luka Milivojevic. Um, what are your thoughts about them leaving and do you think it's going to be possible to replace them? Yeah, so um, I do think you're totally right. Um, really big status for the club. Um, MacArthur is such a consistent um, game in, game out. You know kind of what you're getting from him. He's going to work hard. He's going to, you know, make these big tackles. Um, and he's just like, a, he's got a big leadership role for the team. And so that's what I'm like a, a little more concerned about mm-hmm. is, is there going to be now this leadership void having lost... MacArthur, Milvojevic, who wore the armband quite a bit, and um, and then Wilf, who was wearing the armband probably the last two years, most of the, you know. Yeah. So I'm wondering who we will see step up and kind of fill that spot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I do, I do think that um, neither... MacArthur and Milvojevic seemed like they were a premier uh, Premier League level player anymore. Yeah. They they turned out maybe you know thirty forty five minutes, but we weren't seeing them start regularly. Mm. Um, fitness levels dropping, but um, I think my first fan track season was um, twenty eighteen nineteen, and I believe that was the year that Milvojevic was just like unstoppable on pens. <laughs> if you remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. like 10, 12 of them, and it was just like, you know, every game I was like, keep going, you got this. But yeah, so then, so like, I loved Luca when the game, when I first started, you know, playing fan tracks because he was just a guaranteed goal, it felt like. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure that they are players that fit in the team anymore. I'm not sure there's a place for them, so I understand why there wasn't a re signing. So you've only had one transfer in, it seems, Jefferson Luma coming in from AFC yep. Bournemouth. But Luma was a big player for Bournemouth last season. Yeah, this is one I'm actually fairly excited about. I think um, there should be some real potential. And I kind of think, like we were talking about, he could be a player to sit really nicely alongside Chick Decore. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, good bit of business. Um, it was on a free. Um, a player who has Premier League experience. Um, so yeah, he's a name that, again, I'm not totally confident drafting, mm. but I'd like to see how that Palace midfield works out, and you know, keep an eye on those for some you know later game weeks. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, are you expecting any more signings uh, in the club? What, like, are there any like s- decent rumors at the moment? Yeah, so um, probably the big one right now is um, Mateus Franca. Mm. Um, he has been he's young. I think he's nineteen. Um, but and uh, Fabrizio Romano has said that deal is finished, and so he should be in soon. Um, attacking um winger um so should be you know playing there i'm not confident if he's going to be a starter being Mm. 19 you know that concerns me that roy's going to want to bring him up to speed um but he's definitely a name i'm interested in um very tactical um very technical tricky winger so i'm looking forward to uh seeing how he plays and what he could bring to the team because um right now i feel like we've got a bit of a void at winger yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, almost like a direct Zaha replacement in that sense. Yeah, I've kind of been seeing him listed as a um, as a Zaha replacement. Um, another name I saw kind of linked uh, was Damari Gray, um, who we saw at Leicester. Um, I would be interested in him as well. Um, could be, you know, a nice player, bring in some of that more uh, Premier League uh, experience, a um, bit of a veteran name who, you know, knows how this league plays. So I could see Roy liking him as an option as well. But yeah, it's been fairly quiet so far in the uh, summer window. So, I mean, given how you guys ended last season and, you know, the lack of signings this season, what are your expectations then um, for the 23-24 season? Sure. Um, it's always sort of a hard one for me. My, the bottom line for me is I want to keep Premier League, um, I want to keep in the Premier League, but that's a little low, you know? (laughs) I think, I think that, um, historically we've seen Palace kind of in that, like, 12 to 15 rank. Mm. I'd like to get a um, a top half finish, but I don't know if that's shooting a little high. I think there was, um... There was moments we were sitting right under a top half finish um, last season. And, you know, one or two results here, we could have gotten it. But um, mm. so I, I would say probably like 10 to 12 is what I'm hoping for, somewhere in there. Okay. All right. Cool. So, I mean, now we can um, move on to uh, expected formation, like the impact sure. of the new transfers, etc. So, if the if the season was to start, let's say tomorrow, uh, who are you expecting to be um, out on the pitch um, defending the sure. badge of Crystal Palace? Yep. Um, so, like we had talked about, I think John Stone is going to get the start um, in goal. Then I'm looking at uh, Joel Ward. Joachim Anderson, uh, Mark Gahey, Tyrick Mitchell across the back. Um, I feel like those four are probably the most trusted. I don't necessarily see any change with Anderson Gahey, but um, those fullbacks could change. I don't think they're, you know, Premier League quality necessarily, and bringing in someone better there could really help the team. Um. We talked about that midfield a lot, um, so I'm, it's going to be Decore, and then I'm not entirely confident who will be next to him. Um, probably Schlupp. Schlupp mm. had a really nice run um, towards the end of the season under Hodgson, and um, like we were kind of talking about, Hodgson really likes to stick with the guy that he's got you know, trust in the job he'll do. And so I could see Schlupp getting you know, the first handful of starts at least. Um and then let's look at the our front four. Um, since I was saying they kind of do that four-two-three-one, um, I think you'll have Edward, Edward, and Ayu on the wings. Um, they've I've seen them play both left and right, so I don't necessarily know which one there. Have Eze in the center as your attacking uh, midfielder, and then uh, that leaves Mateta striker. And so that's kind of how I'm thinking we line up to start the season. Okay, so I, I guess Olise is not mentioned because of his current injury. When is Correct. he expected back uh, at the moment? Yeah, so um, it, it should be like end of September, early October. So it's not, you know, a terribly long ways, about, ways out. I'm still, um, 
I still think he's a worthwhile draft pick. It's not too long to sit on him, you know? And I think that if he's one of the two players I would want to grab from Palace, the other being Eze. Um, And so he's someone that I think if you don't grab and you have interest in what he can bring, which we saw, you know, a great season last year. Mm. Um, Ten assists, I believe. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was great at set pieces, man. His uh, dead yeah, ball, and uh, dead ball abilities, he was great. Right, right. You know, and those key passes and what he was bringing in, um, you know, gave him a really nice uh, floor. So yeah, he was a very reliable player for me. I had him on my team last season. Um, and will probably, if I can, pick him up. You know, wait a little bit longer since there is that. Um, you know, it's going to be two months until we see him. But I think that he's somebody you're going to want to grab. Yeah, I, I mean, under both uh, Vieira and Roy, uh, Elise was top for key passes, right? In the first phase with Vieira, Absolutely. he had 43 key passes. Second phase with Roy, he had 29 key passes. So yep. he's and definitely... I really don't... Yeah. I don't expect that to change, you know. he's That is who he is, you know. He's someone with a great foot who's going to cross balls in, um, you know, and break players down to get to that byline you know we saw a great level of uh dribbles um and key passes yeah it's just a big creator for the team yeah i mean um even though he was like the best uh points per uh, game player under Vieira, uh which was like maybe 8.75 just under nine or whatever sure. he ended up uh being a 15 point per game player under roy right um yeah. i think in 11 games he got like six six assists or something like that and i mean we we all know about the as a resurgence right as a being like the top player and stuff like that but we will touch on those guys and how we differentiate them uh uh, in a bit when we get to the draft picks and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but are there any other players that you want to mention um before we talk about like the impact of afcon and asian cup like other players maybe the average fan tracks manager um isn't aware of but maybe should keep their eye on um given you know maybe as a streamer for um the first few weeks or maybe a late pick like 14 15 pick or something sure sure um you know i think options kind of dry out towards the end of um palaces 11 i i think that edward ayu mateta are all okay options um Ayu, we know, is um, can ghost well on his day. He's a very active um, defensively for an attacker. He, um, if you watch a game, he's always like sitting, you know, back along the midfield defensive line. Um, and you know, so I think that brings him some defensive value. Um, but again, it's kind of a lower end, you know, five six points type thing. And so he's not someone I'm looking at super early. Um, Keep an you know keep an eye though on who um, that attacking three is for Palace because like like we saw there was a real um, will and intent to attack when Roy came in mm-hmm. and we saw them scoring at a much higher level and so um, I do think there's got to be somebody to you know create and step up you know I don't think it can just be Eze out there and so I'll be curious to see who becomes that secondary option you know they need somebody to kind of hit form i think and run alongside them 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it needs to, uh, he needs someone to like share that workload with, right? I mean, right. talking talking about hitting form, one of your players uh, had a massive, massive uptick in form um, through Roy, and that's Joel Ward. Uh, he became an absolute monster, right? Uh, maybe averaging yeah. around eight to nine points per game. I remember uh, even um, grabbing him as a um, an FA for like the last few game weeks. He, he sure. scored a goal as well in, in that short little run. Yep, um, yep, brought a you, goal up. Yeah, do you, do you think he's going to... Are you expecting him, him at least to carry on that Roy form or is there a chance maybe we should be wary and, you know, he might just be the same Joel Ward yeah. that that people didn't really um, keep an eye on. Sure. Yeah. So I, I don't have super high expectations for Joel. Um, I would love, of course, to see him continue on with that. But I guess my biggest concern is uh, that he's one of the older players on the team mm-hmm. and fullback is one of um, your most active, you know, um, heavy requirement roles. And mm-hmm. so I just wonder, will he have the physicality? We know how intense the season can be to keep up game in, game out. Um, so there's some concern there, but um, he was very active in crossing, defensive work. Um, you know, he was making some great runs to cover um, alongside Olise, who was getting, you know, forward into the box, you know, and so he was left a lot of space outright to get those crosses in. Mm. And if we see them play similarly, you know, you could expect to see uh, Ward getting further forward, getting more crosses, more key passes in. So, yeah, I think he's some, if he holds down that right back spot, which right now we haven't seen another name. I think he's a good option to look at, yeah. Okay, love that. All right, so looking at the impact of AFCON and Asian Cup, are you guys going to be missing any key players? Um, so Ayu is the um, the big one that I know of. Um, usually Wilf would be a yearly miss, but no worries there anymore. Um, other than that, though, I... Um, I don't think so. Edward and Eze are um, European. Um, I think it would just be Ayu, really, that would be a concern. Okay, all right. And Which is nice, you know, nice to not have those blanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. true, true. Um, okay, uh, is there anything else you want to touch on? Uh, maybe, uh, were there any changes of the club uh, that we should be aware of as well that could impact uh, Crystal Palace assets or their season? Um, so I think the last thing, just um, kind of a quick thing to mention, um, owner, he's a partial owner, you don't hear his name as much, uh, but John Texter, mm. he just had a big interview out in The Athletic, mm. um, and he was. they were asking him about um, if he was happy with um, his role and position in the club. Mm. Um, so he owns like 40% of the club, I think, okay. but um, they were saying... <clears throat> that he um, really doesn't have any influence on players, who the team is brought in. That's mm-hmm. all handled by Steve Parrish and Dougie Friedman. And in this interview, to me, it sounded like he was rather unhappy and didn't like the position he was in, that he wanted to have more of that um, you know, involvement in the club and building the club. And so I am just curious if we'll see an investor back out, but um, 
I, you know, that's just speculation and he sounded unhappy to me, but so that's the only other really big recent news in the palace world. I wonder if there's any correlation between that and the lack of signings then. And well, yeah, that, you know, and that's something that, um, everyone's kind of pointing to. He has said, um, he would be happy to invest if he could be more directly involved, you know? And so then that's tough as a palace fan to hear, Oh, there's somebody willing to put money in, but we won't give him the involvement, you know, or the input. So that's something that, yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, He's definitely one of the, he's an American um, investor. And so he's one of the bigger money names for Palace's investment. Okay. Wow. Didn't know that. That's very interesting. Yeah. That was a pretty interesting um, interview to read. If you, uh, if you're an athletic subscriber, I'd recommend checking it out. All right. Lovely. Lovely. All right, so now let's move into the fan favorite segment, the fan track side of things. I think that's sure. why everyone's here. I expect uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so who's your first pick from Crystal Palace? I think it's obvious. I think this one is obvious, yeah. Eberechi Eze. Um, he is going to be carrying the workload for, you know, at least two months until, you know, Elise is back. Um, I watched them in preseason literally every single thing was going through as a um he had a couple really nice goals um everything looks like his game is clicking and kind of uh what we're expecting him to be and so he's um he's gonna be a pretty high pick for me i'd honestly look at him around that second round yeah, like early round two, maybe maybe even on the turn of round one if you're a twelve person league. I wouldn't be right, upset with yep, that. Yep. Not at all. I think he's one of your better midfield options and um he really showed how he could perform at the end of the season there and be one of those top names on your team. Yeah, and he just looks uh happy to be playing again, right? So, oh, I love watching him play. He seems like he's enjoying himself out there. Um he always has a big smile on his face. So yeah, yeah he's a great fun to watch. Yeah, I think uh two goals, four assists in preseason so far. I mean if you saw his last goal, if anyone did, uh I'm that sure it's goal been making Sevilla. the Yeah, it's been making yeah, the rounds on Twitter. Oh such a a clinical finish man honestly yep. so so good to watch him play um okay so next three picks who who have you got all right then i think olise um i think he's still going to be a big creator for this team and um definitely somebody you're going to want to look at picking up um he's not going to hang around for too long um then i'm thinking uh, Joachim Anderson has actually been getting some interest from me. Um, if you watch Palace play, he brings a lot of the progressive carries. Um, or no, I'm sorry, not progressive carries, progressive passes to the team. Basically, they get the ball to him, and then he's trying to bring that ball out to the wings. And so you see him um, really playing those forward balls. Um, and if they can get themselves a good run where... Um, you know, he's also picking up a clean sheet or two, you know, getting an assist. He can really have some uh, good upside. 
Yeah, he has a knack of like racking up key passes every now and then randomly. Like he'll he'll go right on a streak, and it's like all of a sudden, yeah, I'll get four or five in a game, and it's like, all right, where'd that <laughs> where'd that one come from? But yeah, it's exactly that. He it's because he is one of the bigger. Um, they want to progress play through him and get that ball up to the wings, and so you'll see him, you know, making a lot of those big, uh, big long balls. Lovely. So the final of the three, who do you have? Then I think I'm going with uh, Jordan Ayu, um, a pretty um, known quantity in fan tracks. Um, once you, you know, he's got that, he doesn't have the highest ceiling, but he's got a pretty high floor because of his defensive work rate. Um, he gets, you know, back and defends, so he's picking up tackles, interceptions, as well as, you know, the rare. Um, assist or goal um and so i think he's you know not somebody i'm looking at too early towards the end of your draft um if he's still there you could pick him um but just you know a nice um reliable player somebody that you can count on you know seven eight points yeah, and listen, if you want further evidence of his ghosting ability, uh, Eze had the most successful dribbles last uh, season with 68. Second was Jordan Ayu with 64 of them. Yep, there you go. And so so it's, you know, things like that. You'll He'll pick up those ghost points. He's going to do it slowly, you know, bit by bit. But um, the game goes right, and um, Palace isn't just getting, like, ripped apart. Um I think he's, you know, a worthwhile stream late draft option. Yeah, and uh, I mean, even alluding to his work rate, like you mentioned, right? Uh, for all forwards last season, uh, he acquired the most tackles one with 41 of them. Yeah, so, and, you know, that's exactly the point we're talking about here. He's, you know, he works hard and he's going to be involved defensively, which for, your, you know, if you're looking for like a forward three, um, that's not, you know, the worst thing to have. Somebody who's picking up those uh, extra ghosties. Yeah, and he should be nailed given the uh, time that Ulisse is taking to right. get back I, to fitness, right? Yep, I would expect that IU's going to be involved um, until at least until Ulisse is back, maybe beyond that. But I would think he should be a pretty one of the first names on the sheet. Yeah, he was averaging like just over nine points per game uh, under Roy. All right, so in terms of uh, the three that you just mentioned, uh, Ulisse, Anderson, and Ayu, where yeah. in the draft would you be trying to get them, let's say in a 12-person league? Yeah, um, Ulisse, I would probably look um, like four to six. Um, Anderson, um, like eight to ten. Yeah, and then Ayu um, towards the end. Like honestly, I he's about my like streamer level. Um, yeah, and so I you know fourteen plus. I it's an all right pick. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, I completely agree on those points for sure. Uh, what about your hidden gem? Do you have one, two? What have you got up your sleeve? Sure, sure. I think there are a couple people to um, keep an eye on for what they could do. Um, we talked a bit about Decore, so I won't bring him up again, but he's somebody that I think is going to be um, pretty integral to the Palace team. And then just, you know, um, as backup to that, um, 
he has been looked at by PSG and Liverpool. Um, you know, just for some, they like see the quality in him. He's young, but they're you know, there's clubs seeing his quality, and so I think yeah. you know that's something to pay attention to. Um, but I really like what he brings, and I think he's got he gives himself a really nice floor with the defensive ghosts he's able to bring in. Um, so he's, you know, I think get the right run of fixtures. Decor is definitely someone you could look at to stream. Um, and then I'm also interested in um, Ahamada has really been impressive during preseason. I'm curious to see if Roy will give him any more play. Um, he he can, he's usually a midfielder, but he, um, he was playing out on the right some um, against Sevilla. And so I'm curious to see if we continue to see any of that um, because there is that need for a winger. So those are two names I'm kind of interested to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, Amara got, I think, a goal and two assists um, in preseason as well. So he does have that attacking return potential in him. Right. Okay, lovely. Um, Are there any other assets you'd like to touch on before we move into the final segment? Um. I guess then just, you know, so the biggest one for me is who those winger fill-ins are going to be. You know, will it be Ahamada, will it be Franca, um, who we talked about that they are um, just finished. Uh, And then I'm also, um, another kind of, uh, I don't know what, dark horse pick um, is Jezerun Raksaki. He's Mm. been, um, he's been coming up through the academy for, um, a few years now, he just won um, uh, Player of the Year at Charlton, where he was on loan, and so um, he's one that I think could be, you know, get a little run of games and really prove himself at the next level. Um, so I'll be curious to see if he plays any. Okay, so he seems like an asset. Keep an eye on the lineups. If he's, if you see that green tick next to him, maybe take a punt. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we've seen he's, he had, let me see here, 15 goals, 8 assists at Charlton, um, which is a pretty good uh, return, um, obviously at a lower league, but um, there's a need in this team right now for winging talent, mm. and he is a young wing talent we have, and so yeah, if you see that green tick, uh, he could be a good option to bring in for the game. Okay, excellent. We'll definitely keep that one in the back of my mind. All right, so let's move on to the final segment then. We're going to look at trading and, you know, FA slash waiver advice or just general fan tracks advice, right? So, sure. Nick, do you have any experience with making, uh, like, or I guess trading draft picks before your season started? Um, I've actually never done a draft pick trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's, a, um, it's a worthwhile idea. Like if if you've got somebody willing to do it, um, I think it's worthwhile exploring. I I basically come at fantasy with the idea that there's nobody really on my team that is untradeable, and I would take that into um, my draft picks as well. If somebody's interested in something I've got, you know, we can talk about it. Um, oh, I think that the value the valuation in draft pick trading can be really hard to do. And Mm. so that's why I have sort of swayed away from it. You know, it's hard to weigh 
who's even going to be available at a given position, you know, um, who's been taken before. There's so many like different parts to it that I just haven't uh, gotten into draft pick trading too much, but. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I've, I've never been a fan of it. I kind of just, I, I have my pick, like I'm just going to try it from there and then just think about trading assets maybe after it. Right. So exactly. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of trading with other managers, do you have yeah. any particular strategy? Like, do you look at form? Do you look at fixtures? Like, how, how do you go about trying to get the best trade uh, for your team? Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things, and you hit it right on the spot, is I'll be watching fixtures pretty uh, closely. I like to kind of keep, you know, a four or five game window ahead. And so I can kind of say oh, I really don't like this player's fixtures coming up. You know, like, let's say they've got Liverpool, City, um, who knows, and Arsenal all in, like, you know, that window. Mm -hmm. That's not really a player that I'm going to look to be playing every single week, and so he might become an option to trade out. Um, And then, you know, I will look for a target with somebody who's got fixtures that I do really like. You know, maybe they've got Burnley, Luton Town, you know some of these options um and so i will try and balance out fixtures as yeah like what i'm actually looking at because i think it's a way to get yourself a pretty good edge on um other teams it, who who might only be looking at a player you know on a full schedule or what they have done so far this season i think there are edges to be gained in runs of fixtures yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely good advice there all right uh do you play with fab I do, yep. Okay. Do you have any advice um, based on your experience with Fab? Um, I think it can be pretty hard to manage. Um, and there's always going to be, you know, players like, um, you know, this year people are talking about Mbappe, you know, and is mm-hmm. he coming to the league? So I'm going to, you know, save. I'm not touching my Fab until um, – until Mbappe's here. Um, and I think that can kind of lead you to some weird spots, like that I don't have any money to make a claim I want, or um, I don't make a claim early that I would have liked because I'm saving for a potential future signing. I try and not um, focus on like big potential expenditures like that and instead make small expenditures, you know, each week by. Um, the value of like a single, you know, dollar of fab at the end of the season can be huge. Like, Massive, yeah. uh, like making a claim that nobody else on your t- on your league can make that can like win me a game week. So I try and have um, some fab in the bank to spend, um, and it's also a nice way to kind of balance the trade out. If you're not getting anywhere, throw five fab on it. You know. Um, so I think it's a valuable thing if you're playing with it. I really like to try and keep some fab in the bank and not make, you know, giant expenditures like my entire uh, bank gone. Yeah, I, I agree with combining fab with assets trades. Uh, last season, for example, like in my home league, I think one of the trades I had done was, uh, it was like start of the season, uh, Keenan Dewsbury Hall plus like I think maybe five to seven fab for Kai Havertz. And this is when Potter had just come in and I realized that, okay, Kai is getting 90 minutes every game. Like I feel right. like he has the potential to do well. And 
I'm. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, uh, last season was Kai's best um, points output from like a ghost points perspective as well. Um, okay. So I feel like the trade worked out, especially yeah. when we were quite like there were slim pickings for forwards and stuff like that. So yeah, I yeah. T- totally agree. Um, keep as much money as you can towards the end of the season, stretch it out, and maybe use the money in combination with trades rather than you know dropping. 50 60 70 80 right, right? on like your mcneils right, or something exactly. like that <laughs> I, yeah i've just seen too many people blow their entire budget on somebody that they then drop like four weeks later and it's just like what what were you doing then like if that wasn't somebody you wanted to have long term why did you spend long-term money on him you know exactly. it's that kind of thing to me yeah. So, what what would you say? Maybe some of your best and worst fab purchases or or uses. Do you recall at all? Um. Let's see. So last year, I just fell in love with um, Hamad Traore. Um, yeah. I picked yeah, him, yeah. him up off the waiver, and it was just like an absolute ghost monster. You yeah. Know? <laughs> every every week he was bringing in another haul, and so um very quickly fell in love with him um let's see who else did i pick up last year um nothing not not anyone else necessarily come into mind um, okay but yeah you can always i think that i am trying to make a maneuver most weeks like okay there's usually somebody to grab on the waiver wires and so i'm looking through those most weeks Okay. What about uh, best and worst trades in your career so far? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. So last year I traded out um, Tony. I think okay. it was, be- right? It was before the season had started. And so I um, I think I was undervaluing him. Mm. And, you know, I thought he could have given us, you know, a mid-level performance or something. I was just kind of looking at the average numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, traded him out and then he just went on you know an absolute goal scoring form um penalties every week and so like it was just i was beating my head about that one because i don't know i I wish um i wish i could recall who i even took back from it but um i traded tony out and regretted it every week after that um but i honestly i like to take those opportunities i think trading is fun um and so if somebody wants to talk something over, I'm always willing to. I think it's also a good way of getting to know your league mates. Um, and so that's fun about it too. Yeah, 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 that's true as well. I mean, there's some fantastic people that you meet in some of these uh, uh, community leagues and public leagues, etc. Right? Uh, right? Even in the Discord channel, right? That's how we uh, ended up connecting, right? It's yep. honestly a, a great environment to, to be part of. Um, right, yeah. So, okay, uh, finally, it, like you mentioned, I think you've been playing Fantrax for four to five years now. Mm-hmm. So what would be some of the lessons you've learned over the past few seasons that you're taking into the new season that maybe yeah, you sure. could share with, you know, new managers, old managers? Yeah, um, I think one of the hardest ones for me is separating the value you get with somebody when you draft them. Mm. So, like, let's say you imagine some guy is, like, a top five player, but it just, he is not performing. You got to cut that value, right? Yeah. Um, if, if, 
you know, I think a lot of people tend to get like really close to these players, like, oh, that's my favorite guy on my team or something. I like am willing to trade anybody on my team, um, or you know, and if somebody's you know been just awful, I'm not afraid to drop them. Um, I think making those transactions can really save a week. Yeah. Like, um, and, you know, you sit on somebody who's underperforming for too long. Um, that's multiple weeks now you've sat when you could have, you know, picked somebody up off the waiver. Yeah. Um, you know, you could have uh, traded him out, gotten somebody you like more in. And so I try and not hold on to too much um I don't know what have too close of ties to my uh, players and I'm usually pretty willing to cut them loose, especially if they're underperforming. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Let's see. Um, we kind of talked about the fab. That's another one. Um, I really like to hold on to and trade um, with fab just because I think you can get some differentials there. Um, we talked about fixtures. I think that a lot of people don't pay enough attention to fixtures, and you can mm. really find some good, um, you know, upcoming players just because they've got that good fixture list. Um, let's see, what else? And then um, I, I can't remember who I heard this. I heard it on another Fantrax podcast, though, um, and they said... Um, always have a player you like, you know, like if there's some player you like out there, have them on your team because like, it just makes it more fun. We're, we're, we're we're here to, you know, enjoy the game and it's like a free time activity. So if you can make it more fun for yourself and get a player you like, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, like a couple of my favorite players that I, I've loved owning over the past few seasons. I mean, two of them right off the bat. James Ward-Prowse. I oh, loved owning, owning James Ward-Prowse. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, on every single set piece, penalty, free kicks are basically penalties. Like, yep. yeah, he was so dependable. And then now, even this season, I'm glad he's kind of... I'm hoping he's coming back into his proper form, which is uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold as well. Oh, yeah. Um, defender for a top six team uh, on set pieces can also score from direct free kicks. Yeah. Uh, playing now um, uh, further up the pitch, right? So he's closer to yeah. goal. Um, you've even seen him do it for England. So that's another player that I'm excited. Like, if I can roster, like, I'm confident at least, you know, in his ability to provide me with fan tracks points and, you know, right, hopefully right. a bit of happiness in terms of wins <laughs> and dominating my league. So. Yeah, if you can get the wins as well, that's always nice. And yeah, yeah. that's that's exactly the point. Like, I'm already going to be watching Palace games. And so yeah. if there's a player I like off Palace, it just makes it more fun for me. That's yeah. kind of the idea. Exactly. So I'm I'm assuming you're you're going to be gunning for Eze in a few of your leagues. Oh yeah, absolutely. Looking hard at Eze, and uh, if I can't get him, I'm pretty happy with um, an Elisa pickup. Are there any non-Crystal Palace players that you're you have a special? There's a special place in your heart for. Um. So like you said, I had Trent last year, and so it was really fun watching him. Even though it's a little tougher. Uh, yeah season for liverpool he still yeah. had a lot of great games and he's one of the more exciting players in the league to watch um so i really like watching trent um i um i think everybody kind of likes sun um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, so pretty fond of sun um but you know i kind of just like watching the league on the whole um mm. 
Anybody but Brighton and City, I'm all right with. <laughs> As a Crystal Palace fan, I expected that answer. <laughs> right. So, so you know. But other than that, and what's hard is I think Brighton brings some pretty good um, ass, uh, assets to fan tracks, and it can be kind of hard uh, not wanting to draft them. You know, Moises Caicedo, I think, is a really good-looking player. Um, I don't know, lots of options out there from Brighton, but yeah. I don't have to like them. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they get you the win, right? Right. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, uh, listeners, uh, those are the picks. That is the pod. That's all we had planned to talk about. Nick, do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, hope everyone has a good season and up the Eagles. Ah, love it. All right, listeners. So I think the next episode we're recording is Spurs, I believe. It should be, um, if everything's going according to plan. If not, doesn't matter, because you're still going to listen to the content, because this Inside Track series is getting great reviews. It's helping out tons of people, and that's why we're here, right? We're just trying to help out this amazing community as much as we can. Just just trying to do, a, do our job, right? Just, uh, yeah. Make sure people dominate their leagues, have fun, like Nick said. And yeah, I can't say much more than that. So we'll catch you on the next episode then. Peace.